Hey, how? Hey, Adam. So I watched a terrible movie the other day. Oh, yeah? What's it about? So there's this older man, and he uh, just was, like, forced into retirement, basically, and uh, was also forced to suddenly take care of a dog for no real reason, as far as I can tell, and uh, pursues, like, the first romantic relationship that he seems to actually be interested in uh for the first time in his life okay but is he gay Okay, but is it gay? A podcast about gay movies you probably haven't heard of. This one doesn't have a Wikipedia page. Oh my god, are you serious? (laughs) Yeah. Because I was looking it up. I was looking. The only actor in this movie that I can tell, and it is very difficult to tell because this movie doesn't have a Wikipedia page, um, is is Wendy Malick, who plays the sister, who I thought was Cece Babcock on The Nanny the whole first time that we were watching it. Um, but actually, she is uh, Ronnie Lawrence on Frasier. And listener, you might be thinking, those two actresses have nothing in common. They don't look or sound alike. And welcome to how my brain works. <laughs> Proud of you. She's, Wendy Malick was in so many Disney cartoons that I loved as a child. She was prin- the principal on Fillmore, which is like a criminally underrated uh, like cop procedural. She was on an episode of Kim Possible. Right now she's on The Owl House. She's starring in The Owl House. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. She was on Ozzy and Drix. Batman Beyond? Ridiculous. <laughs> we stand Wendy Malick. I'm glad that she's in this movie because she is one of the funniest characters. This movie has one joke. And it is Wendy Malick's job to deliver it. But it's not a good joke. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think it's a good joke? No, but like, it's a joke. Okay. I mean, (laughs) I feel like the better joke is the dog, but that's just my love of dogs coming through, maybe. She's so small. I was extremely tempted to say in the intro, okay, but is there a dog? (laughs) You know what? That would have been very valid of you, mixing it up a little bit. <laughs> that, that could be the title of this episode. Mm. This is episode nine. We're almost, we're almost through it. Proud of us. <laughs> All right, should we talk about this horrible thing? <laughs> we should talk about all of the things that this movie promises in the, um, oh, no, warnings for this film. Um, warnings and then promises warnings and then promises the only warning that i have written down here is that they say the f slur in this Mm. there's not really sexual themes it's a very like there are sexual themes but there's no sex scene nothing explicit nothing really shown on screen yeah there is like some slight homophobia like internalized and and directed at a specific character yeah i feel like that's it that sounds right to me lit i can always do a pickup if we start talking about something hey everybody speaking of pickups that i might have to do it's editing hal here to give an additional warning for misogyny 
Both of the principal female characters in this movie are misogynistic caricatures, one of like a hysterical woman and one of a woman who is very thin but thinks that she is fat. Those are their only character traits. Just wanted to drop a quick warning in here. We do talk about this and examine it. Uh, and in the movie, it's kind of gross if you think about it for more than a minute. So be warned. All right. We're really rounding out the season with the duds, I think. That's not true. The last one is the best one. Right. We did save the, our favorite one of the list for, for last. But And honestly, Open Cam is definitely the worst movie on our list, but I mm-hmm. dislike this one more. That's fair. It angered me more. I don't know. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into it. Yeah. But The Promises... Did you did you write them down? I did, I did. I wrote down all four promises. Love that. So the description of this movie lists it like lists features like they're selling you a laptop. The description on Amazon Prime, right? Specifically. On Amazon Prime specifically. Yeah. We don't know if it's the same on other places. We don't know if this movie is available other places. It might not be. That wouldn't surprise me if it wasn't. <laughs> but then no one gets to see the birds. Uh Uh-huh. That's okay. They'll survive. (laughs) Okay, so promises of this movie. Meaning, definition, and redefining of family. The nature of relationships. The meaning of the varieties of love as a concept, attitude, and human experience. Laughter and surprise. The amount of self-control I... (laughs) just had to summon to not burst out laughing that entire time. (sighs) This movie thinks it's about a lot of things, but it's not actually about anything at all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's somehow about less things than open cam. I don't even know how that's possible, honestly. Alternate title for this episode, I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. (laughs) That's also a great title. Mm -hmm. We'll have to think about it. We'll have to think about it. Anyway. Uh, where do we open? So, (laughs) we open with some, a terrible intro. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, birds. They're, uh, they're little animated birds and they're hopping around for a very long opening credit sequence where we don't see any of the actors. Um, and also people that are traditionally only credited at the end credits are credited at the beginning credits. I don't know what that means. <laughs> it just makes this sequence extremely long. This like animated pop-up like clip art thing of a part. Yeah, it wasn't doing anything. It just made me angry. Yeah. Jay Arnold is credited in this sequence as like six different things. You know what? We should have timed the intro. Mm. I'm angry we didn't do that now. It it probably timed out wouldn't even seem that long, but it just felt so long because nothing happened. We're not looking anything. It's just yeah. this weird animated like technicolor thing. And it, it has no connection to the movie. I mean, they go to a park sometimes. Yeah, the, most of the scenes do take place in the park. All of the principal romantic scenes at least happen in the park. But why is it animated like that? And what's up with the birds? I don't know. Another alternative title. What's up with the birds? <laughs> Not even dogs. Birds. Yeah. I have just IMBD has a poster on the on the page um that has I believe an alternate title for this movie. Uh you what? can't have it all. What? 
Okay, that that also doesn't really make any it, sense with the plot of this. It film. makes more sense. It may. I think that it makes more sense. But but it's still not. Yeah. Good. No, not even a little bit. Mrs. Greco is on the is on both posters though, and that's important. So uh, that is important. Movie actually starts. We see narration. What feels like stock footage of men's clothing and accessories while the the narrator talks about how he doesn't need an alarm clock and he's very attached to his job. We don't know what the job was. We know that he like ran a company. We don't know what the company did. We don't know what his specific, maybe he was the CEO. I don't know. He says that he has 128 dress shirts and none of them are in a fun color. They're all various shades of white, gray, and a light blue. No fun ties either. I remember when we watched this, I mentioned uh, that it reminded me of like a worse version, an episode of Daredevil, where we get like, we get, it's like the first time we really get anything featuring the Fisk. the main yeah. villain, Wilson Fisk, and we like see him uh, at his uh, apartment and he like has a whole bunch of the same shirt and he has the same routine every morning, puts on mm-hmm. the same outfit, makes the same thing for breakfast and goes to work. And we don't get any stupid narration. Mm-hmm. I hate narration just like as a general rule. And like we understand throughout that episode that he does this every day and then eventually the routine changes for a reason. But in this, we have to be told that he does this every day and he wears the same thing every day, even though it is so obvious from looking at all the same stupid shirts in his closet. We don't need to be told there's 128. We don't. We can see that there are just too many. Yeah. So he's retiring. He's being like forced to retire and he's upset about that. And he's going to a party. That's like the first real scene. Yes. His sister is here, played by Wendy Malick. Uh, she's here. She, her name's Elise. I have her as Cece Babcock in my notes a lot. <laughs> she's not a different actress. Amazing. Paul's retiring. Is it? Is it a retirement party or is it a birthday party? It's a birthday party because he didn't tell anyone about it until it happened. And Elise okay. is upset. Why does that affect her? I don't know. Maybe she's just worried about her brother. I guess it's just, I, I said that because her concern throughout the whole movie always feels very, like, self-centered. Mm-hmm. It never feels genuine, like she's genuinely concerned for that person, more like how it affects her. That's yeah. just the vibe I get from her character. Yeah. So at this birthday party, Paul's friends are trying to set him up with a nice lady his age now that he's retiring. Yeah, this is another movie where a completely average looking man is for some reason considered like the hottest thing around. Well, he's rich. I guess. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. But like they they were, the way they were acting though was also like that he was really attractive. It was completely inexplicable that he wasn't married. Yeah. Anyway, what were you saying? (laughs) They make a big deal about how his suitor's uh, ex-husband is now in a relationship with a much younger woman named Sky with an E. What's wrong with that name? I, um... It's a perfectly fine name. That's a great name, actually. <laughs> we also learn that Paul has not slept with any of the women he's ever dated, and that's like a big deal for them. He dated a woman once for six months, and they didn't have sex? Oh, what? no. 
I don't know why everyone's gossiping about his sex life. That's so funny. Like, mm-hmm. it's his birthday party. They're like, what, what's wrong with this man? Elise does a, does a toast and gives him a dog for his birthday. Don't give people animals. Unless you know that they have been in the market for a pet and they've been, like, gearing up to go get the pet themselves. Unless you know that the thing that they want for their birthday is a French bulldog. Don't give people animals. That animal is going to get neglected. Yeah, even if you know they want a animal, like what if you get a kind that they don't want? Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's the stupid... And this man is the dumbest person on the planet and doesn't know anything Mm -hmm. about dogs. Even like the really basic, basic things. Mm -hmm. He can't even hold the dog. Nope. It, It was physically painful to watch him try to hold this dog and he was so uncomfortable and upset. And that's supposed to be a present. <laughs> she's a puppy. She's a little French bulldog. And she is the color of champagne. And she's the cutest thing that you'll ever see and the best character in this movie. Mm-hmm. Though that's not saying much because everyone's terrible. <laughs> Paul wants to return this beautiful, sleepy French bulldog. She's also sleepy and, and like tired looking in most of the scenes. It seems like they like tired her out for filming. Because otherwise she would be like bouncing off the walls because she's a little puppy. Yeah, that makes absolutely no sense for puppies. (laughs) And it would have been funny to see him try to deal with like an energetic dog. Mm -hmm. But whatever. But Elise's like uh, logic is that she wants him to have company now that he's retired. Which like is valid, I guess. But why not just bring it up? Why not have his birthday present be a trip to the dog shelter? Also, when you get an old person a dog, you should really get them an older dog because they don't have the energy or time to train dogs because they're old. Or they could he could have got a cat or a cat or a cat which needs so much less like energy and time devoted to them because they can take care of themselves basically. Yeah, you just hang out with a cat, which is supposedly all she wanted for him so that would have made so much more sense i don't know why we hate cats in this movie he well the cat wouldn't have got him gotten him out of the house and he wouldn't have met love interest okay but like (laughs) then she could have said oh i got you a dog to force you to exercise Mm -hmm. take him on walks or something Mm -hmm. also she didn't know that he was retiring so originally the dog was just a regular birthday present Like, he would have still been working full-time and also trying to raise a puppy. What? That's another reason I I was confused about what the party was celebrating. Because it doesn't, like you just said, it doesn't make sense as a birthday present. Yeah. And her reasoning was about the retirement. Yeah. What was her reasoning before? She just thought the puppy was cute? She doesn't even strike me as a dog person. (laughs) Yeah, she strikes me as someone who has a very sleek, very large black cat with, like, a diamond-studded collar at home. It feels like the the writers did not read through this a second time. Mm-hmm. This is literally just the rough draft. <laughs> the best thing that you could do for a script is give it to other people. They did not do that here. She's also hired a dog trainer to come over. Paul refuses to figure out a name for this dog. <laughs> Which is rude. Also, she's a little baby puppy, and so probably isn't used to sleeping without her litter mates yet, and so is crying at night, and he, like, goes and gets her out of the kitchen, and just sort of tosses her onto the bed. (laughs) 
Yeah, rude. <laughs> it's not like dangerous. It's not like a far throw. They did not hurt this animal. But she, he just does this sort of dropper, like a half a foot on the mattress. Yeah, not nothing, you know, dangerous about it. It just like offended me personally. Yeah. <laughs> the absolute contempt that this man has for this this tiny little baby dog. <laughs> She's so small. Who we never see even do dog things that would maybe make him upset. Yeah, he doesn't chew his slippers. Yeah. She never barks. She never runs around, pees on things. How is that? How has that not happened? She did pee at the party. He was like holding her like by her armpits and she did pee. (laughs) Okay, but she never does it in the apartment ever. Like there's there's always a, you know... A stage where they have to be trained and learn that stuff mm-hmm. and she just doesn't need that stage yeah. for some reason <laughs> uh the dog trainer arrives like she's like you gotta name this dog man and so she like looks at the dog and is like okay she's got a strong build and it's very quiet what does that bring to mind and paul says the perfect <laughs> wife and so <laughs> and so now yeah. the dog's name is mrs greco which is a cute name for a dog. Also, I think that's the best joke in the movie. <laughs> More so than the sister. The sister annoyed me, but calling this little baby dog Mrs. Greco, even though everyone's like confused and <laughs> saying he's going to offend his eventual wife, that's hilarious. It's so cute because you could, you could introduce her. You could say, this is the Mrs. Yeah, you could get her a cute little outfit. It'd be amazing. (laughs) This movie has potential, and all of it belongs to Mrs. Greco. Because she's the best character. She's also a very good actor. Yeah. There's like a little training session, and they're teaching stay before sit and lay down. I'm not a dog trainer, but I did have a dog when I was a kid. We had her for 13 years, and we taught her sit first. Sit was the thing. Sit, then lay down, then stay, then come. I actually think that may depend a little bit on the dog trainer. Because I think one time I've seen a dog trainer teach sit first. Another time they did teach stay first. Mm. I guess because you could stay in any position. You could be standing and stay. I guess. Right. And that's arguably more important for a dog to know, like in general, like for Mm -hmm. safety reasons. Mm Mm-hmm. That's fair. Okay. I just didn't think of it like think of it like that. I guess sit in my head is is the first thing. But again, it's also a lot easier mm. to teach. Sit is so much easier mm. to teach. Dogs don't want to stay. <laughs> no. They want to come hang out with you. Uh, the, this trainer stays for like literally 5 minutes. There is no passage of time in this sequence. They like talk about certain things that he should do about like setting like boundaries so that mrs greco knows not to pee in the apartment they talk about stay and then that's it and then we never see her again yeah it makes her existence at all feel really unnecessary again something that you would then delete in the second draft of this script Because especially if we're not seeing the dog misbehave, because literally all she does is sleep and look adorable, (laughs) having a training sequence at all doesn't do anything for the plot. And like you said, she never returns. So what? Yeah, the scene only exists so that we can get the name of the dog, but we can get the name of the dog other other ways. Yeah, the sister could have like been the person to say, you need to name this dog. What do these things remind you of? Yeah. 
So then Paul takes Mrs. Greco to the dog park, and he carries her outside, and you shouldn't carry a dog outside for walkies. The Their sense of place is going to get messed up. And also, if they're too tired to walk, why are you taking them out in the first place? Do we ever see him actually walk the dog? No. I feel like... I think maybe because she's very small, and he's like a taller man, and so they can't figure out the camera angle, but like just... Do a wide shot, dog. Yeah, and it it looks so weird. I remember thinking that. It looked so weird to see this man constantly carrying this dog that is always sleepy. It's a puppy. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And why why are you even why are you taking her outside at all if she can't walk on her own legs? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> so Enter love interest. He's sitting on a bench. He Ugh. has another French bulldog, and his name is Bean. <laughs> Bean's actor is a worse actor than Mrs. Greco. He's very clearly looking at a trainer off screen. He's very clearly concentrated on someone holding a treat or a toy for him. He's acting like an actual dog. I will defend yeah. Bean, okay? He's <laughs> acting like a dog. Mrs. Greco's just asleep all the time. That's weird. That's concerning. Take her to a vet. I don't know why this man didn't take her to a vet if she's sleeping all the time. I think they must have just tired her out for filming because otherwise she would be like yipping at things. I understand from like that perspective, but in movie land, <laughs> she's always sleepy and that's she's a medical concern. Sleepy. I'm concerned for this dog who I love. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Andy assumes Paul is, is married um, and when he's corrected, he just goes, interesting i cannot stress enough that this man is not a silver fox he is not hot there is no reason for upon first meeting for andy to be this interested in him he's also not at all charming his personality could be compared to a rock but not an interesting one like a gross <laughs> mud-covered one that you leave on the side of the road. You don't want to take that with you. He is the most unlikable man. He literally acts like a dick to everyone. Mm-hmm. He acts like he's better than everybody. Yeah, he acts He acts like what you expect an old, rich, white man to act to people that he thinks mm-hmm. are beneath them. And he stays that way the whole movie. Yeah, he has no growth. I mean, he does, he, that's not fair. He does develop new traits. He just doesn't fix the bad ones. Okay. He does not grow into a better person. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Paul gets back to the apartment, at least called twice while he was out. How long was this walk trip? Nep- his nephew Brian is here with his videographer's kit. The two of them talk about how uh, Elise is overbearing. Paul is sad about retiring, but we don't know why exactly, except that it's a disruption to his routine. We don't know if, like, he had work friends that he's going to miss, or if he just really enjoyed the structure, or if the company's going to change a lot now that he's gone, or, you know, whatever. We don't know anything about this thing, and it, like, is only relevant in the very beginning of this movie. My impression was he was mostly upset because now he has nothing to do. Mm. His whole life was working, and it doesn't seem like he has any friends or hobbies. 
getting the dog becomes then his only hobby, taking carrying her, to be clear, because she can't walk, uh, to the park every day. That becomes then the only thing he does with his time. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, read a book. <laughs> Brian talks about finding his purpose and personhood in photography. He has this line, and I realized... I was a photographer. Like, he's, like, talking about the first sort of big shoot that he did. And at first I was like, oh, is this, like, a parallel to coming out? Are they, like, doing a thing? And I don't think that they're doing a thing, but it does seem like maybe they were trying. I think that was the intention. Uh, Because he talks about, like, the gallery theme also. Which is, like... people emotionally exposed. And he... The whole movie is kind of, like joking with this question of is brian gay because he has artistic interests and and Mm. keeps like you know making these weird parallels and all this stuff Mm. and the shirts he wears are very according to the older characters (laughs) in this movie brian dresses gay according to me a gay person no yeah i don't see it either i mean Considering the amount of movies we watched where at least one gay character is really into photography, that (laughs) was like the only hint that maybe he could be gay. There's a lot of gay photography movies. Yeah. We we should do a special. (laughs) (laughs) We would not. That'd be like all the movies. (laughs) Um, So then we're in Andy's apartment. Roz arrives. Roz is a sister, I think. Oh, I thought uh, friend. Maybe. We don't know. It's not clear. Yeah. Her entire personality is that she's a skinny person who is worried that she looks fat. So, yeah. So let's run through the, the like female character tropes we got going on. We have skinny lady mm-hmm. who thinks she's fat and older woman who keeps talking about nervous breakdowns the whole time. Who is also an overbearing mom. That is all women are. She's a twofer. <laughs> <laughs> Andy is also connected to the art show in some way. This doesn't become super relevant. They talk about Andy's exes. Then Roz says something absolutely bizarre. I found this guy for you, a little young, 20s or 30s. Is Andy not 20s or 30s? He looks 20s or 30s. He looks like, to me, and I'm a bad judge of age, I I will admit, but to me, he looked like Max late 20s. Especially the way he dresses, I think, makes him look even younger. Yeah. And he he acts like someone who, you know, is living on his own for the first time, etc., etc. He is not... Like, Worldly. right, he's not even, he doesn't even give off middle-aged vibes or anything. He's a very young dude. He looks that way, he acts that mm-hmm. way, and he says early 30s is young. Yeah, and like, does that mean that he exclusively dates older men? But then we meet one of his exes, and he's the same age as him. Was this character originally cast as an older man, and they just didn't take that line out? I don't understand. The way he looks and acts makes... The fact that he's supposed to be the love interest for Paul, to me, like, feel kind of gross because they look like they're in such (laughs) different stages in their life. Andy looks like he just started working full time and Paul is retired. Then we get another dog park sequence. There's going to be a lot of sequences at the dog park. This bench is the third star of the film. (laughs) Uh, Paul is so distracted by the park that he can't remember what he's read in the paper. Oh, no. (laughs) That's so weird. Why is he so weird? He's not weird. He's just boring. Andy assumes, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Andy assumes that Paul is new in town because he's never seen him in the park, even though he lives right across the street, and Andy's in this park a lot. Paul says that he's dressing down, and that meant that he is in a suit without the tie. I just feel embarrassed for him, genuinely. (laughs) He looks so uncomfortable, and he acts like just such a prick. I can't, he never, like, Andy keeps trying to engage him in conversation, and Paul's never outright rude, He but he never, like, initiates questions, and he always gives these really short uh, answers, and I don't know what about that is encouraging to Andy, like, makes him want to keep talking Mm -hmm. to this uh, ugly, rude old man. (laughs) Yeah, like, I feel like if I was trying to start a conversation with someone and they weren't asking me questions after I asked them questions and they were giving very short, clipped answers, I would just assume that they didn't want to talk and they didn't want to make friends and I wouldn't keep talking to them. But the two of them keep talking. Yeah, because that's the impression... Paul gives, that he doesn't want to talk to this guy. Yeah, but we get a montage anyway. They're at the park every day with the dogs. Mrs. Greco is a sleepy baby. Purple pants. Purple pants. (laughs) Which flies in the face of everything we learned in the bad intro. I thought that you didn't have any fun pants. Why are your pants purple, Paul? Does that mean he went shopping and was feeling a little adventurous? Why didn't we get to see the shopping trip movie? That seems important. That's because the movie's bad. (laughs) The heading I have here is, it is a glorious day. And I think that's a Paul line. (laughs) Andy says that he loves the smell of cut grass. Is that important? Are you shaming people that like this? Hold on. I like the smell of cut grass. (laughs) He just said it. He just said it with such like, like majesty. Like he was marveling at the smell of cut grass. Oh yeah. Well, he's a bad actor. He delivers all his lines in, like, really weird ways. He's either, like, too into the things he's saying or not into them enough. Yeah. Paul finally learns how to ask people questions about themselves. And Andy has a tragic backstory. No bearing on the plot whatsoever. Yeah, Paul learning Paul learning to ask questions is actually a mistake. Um, because his questions are terrible. <laughs> Andy just, like... Andy comes out. I was gonna say... I was gonna say, Andy just... Peppers in the fact that he is gay. (laughs) And Paul is like, I suspected that you were... You know. You know. Yeah, that's that's exactly, that's the quote. And Paul, Andy's tragic backstory is that he had an older brother who was gay, who is now dead. And Paul is like, do you think that your brother influenced you? People are not gay by influence, Paul. I think Andy says that. Yeah. One is not gay by influence, I wrote down. (laughs) Which, why are you wording it that way? That's a weird way to word things. (laughs) Considering just the, like, the way Andy says every other line, Mm -hmm. it it felt very random. Mm -hmm. You know what it sounds like? It sounds like something that an older character might say contributing to my conspiracy theory that Andy was originally an older man. I mean, that would make a lot of sense for a lot of things. It would have made me less uncomfortable to watch this movie, honestly. (laughs) Paul said, yes, I'm homophobic. Yes, I'm gay. We exist. Oh, yeah. Paul tells this terrible story about an old friend. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Where uh, this old friend kissed him one time and 
He responded by punching him in the face. And for some reason, Andy is not deterred by this story. Like, this isn't a red flag. Mm -hmm. This doesn't even make him kind of pause and be like, wow, well, I hope you don't punch me or anything. He's just like, oh, wow, (laughs) funny story. (laughs) What are you doing, Andy? Do you have no brain cells? Are you in danger? Is someone, like, behind the camera threatening you? I don't understand. Blink twice if you need help. (laughs) Uh, then we're back at the apartment. Cece is here. Not Cece. Elise. Elise is here. And she's concerned. She's like, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know where you are. Girl, he's an adult. Yeah, the, the, those lines. And she does, to be fair, also say similar things to her son. But they feel like <laughs> things a mother would say to a child. Uh-huh. Not what a fully grown sister would say to her fully grown retired brother. Yeah. She's younger. He's fine. She's the younger. He's one. not even he's not even doing any I mean he's he's like existing in his apartment looking pathetic and going to the park and looking pathetic. Like he's not even doing anything, you know? Yeah. She's like, You're not answering your phone fast enough. I'm having a nervous breakdown. <laughs> they talk about Brian. Uh, he didn't tell his mom that he was in town. Like, he's in town for a gallery show. Did not tell his mom. And I respect the hustle. That's because his mom is a freak. <laughs> Elise is trying to hook Paul up with one of their friends still. Then we get another dog park sequence. Not a dog park. It's just a park where there are dogs sometimes. Uh, Andy <laughs> is wearing a P-flag hat. The parents and friends of lesbians and gay and gay men. Is that what P-Flag stands for? I feel like it. Parents, families, and friends of lesbians and gays. Yes. Yes. You're right. Bisexuals don't exist. No. Let's be clear. <laughs> P, P-Flag. P, what? P, 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 <laughs> what are you saying right now? <laughs> P-Flag. P-Flag. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, Andy, Andy's ex has left him a voicemail. Who calls? <laughs> so Andy's wearing this P flag hat, and it's got the what the letters say underneath the letters, like lots of hats with acronyms on them. And Paul looks at it, and he says, "What does that mean? <laughs> read the hat." Paul can't read. When he looks at the newspaper, he's just looking at the pictures. <laughs> This is also where we get Jasper. Jasper only exists to be exists to be homophobic, Dad. I thought you were gonna say he only exists to be homophobic, and I was gonna be like, that's not exactly what <laughs> no, happens. That's what Paul exists for. I didn't even write his name down because he doesn't like bear any real relevance on the plot. No, he's in this scene. Yeah, is this the only scene he's okay, okay. He's talked about in other scenes and universally it's characters who don't like him because he's camp. Jasper yeah. is an effeminate gay man and this movie said that's a crime actually. <laughs> Jasper he's also like mean about Rouse's perfectly fine hair. Like it's just long. He calls it a rat's nest. It's just long. Well you see he has to properly fulfill the stereotype. Oh I see. <laughs> Andy like shoots Jasper away because Andy is super into this homophobic old man and his khakis. Yeah, clearly uh, Paul is like very visibly angry and uncomfortable that uh, this guy is here. Yeah. And Andy sees that and instead of thinking, wow, I should defend my friend mm-hmm. who, you know, is important to me and actually cares about me as a person. Mm-hmm. But instead, he's just worried about this homophobic, old, stupid man's opinion. <laughs> instead of, like, 
being like, hey, Jasper, let's go somewhere else. Come on, Bean. He's like, hey, Jasper, why don't you go somewhere else and leave me alone with my homophobe? He just makes the worst decisions. I don't get how he's a real person, honestly. <laughs> well, he's not a real person. He's he's a, uh, he's a character in the movie. I don't, you know what? I don't need that from you. <laughs> Paul says that he didn't like being around Jasper because he's too... You know. And then he, like, insinuates that Andy isn't like other gays. Paul also (laughs) says, and this is a direct quote. Yes. Uh, I was really excited about writing down a lot of the direct quotes in this scene because they're all really terrible. Mm -hmm. He says that that sort of thing, quote, just turns me off. That's all. (laughs) I don't know why uh, men should turn him on mm-hmm. in the first place. Mm-hmm. Like, why do other men exist for that purpose, Paul? Well, that's what Andy says. Andy's like, oh, so there are men who turn you on. And Paul goes, just because I've been thinking about you doesn't mean... Uh... <laughs> and then he just starts uh... monologuing about his confusion and his, like, new feelings about Andy. No one asked. <laughs> I certainly don't want to be subjected to hearing them, honestly. And they came out of nowhere. Like, we we haven't really seen in any way. We have seen no evidence that he is interested in any man, let alone Andy. Like, he barely even answers Andy's questions. Yeah. All they do is sit on this bench together. And, like, you can form a friendship that way, but... We have not seen them connecting. Nope. As far as we know, the only thing that they have in common is dog. That is the only thing they have in common. (laughs) That's what uh, we know throughout the whole movie. And then Andy's like, oh, that's so sweet. Andy, are you okay? Yeah, I don't... Has Andy had some, like, really, really toxic relationships in the past so that this isn't concerning him? Mm -hmm. Does he only like toxic relationships? (laughs) And Paul is like, I'm curious, but I don't know what happens next. <gasps> he said the title of the movie. Please. He said the title of the movie. <laughs> and then we get a montage because resolution is for nerds. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Following storylines to their conclusion is for idiots. We're making art here. Oh, this is art, yeah. is it? Mm. Yeah. Uh, Paul dropping the top button on his shirt is character development. (sighs) Except, like, it's treated, it's literally treated as character development in the film. I should be clear. That's just not me making a pithy joke. Um, but he's- Yeah, no, it's a huge deal. Yeah. But he's already been dressing like that. He already took off the tie and dropped the top button. And he's been dressing like that in every single park scene. So what is the truth? Just for the proof that this is the rough draft. This is the first initial draft of this script and no one looked at it again. Paul is going out with Elise and friends and they've invited Paul's heterosexual love interest, this poor woman. Yeah, she doesn't deserve this. He compliments her knees. He what? <laughs> he compliments her knees. That's a show. He says, you have the loveliest uh, knees. And knees are like the least lovely part of the body. <laughs> That's just, that's just a fact. I'm sorry. That's so specific. I think I'm completely neutral on these. I, like, I mean, I have nothing against them, but like, if you're, (laughs) if that's all you can compliment, that's a red flag. She's like wearing a pencil skirt and her knees are showing. 
You know, I would have rather he just said, wow, nice skirt. Mm-hmm. But you have some lovely knees. <laughs> just say you're gay. <laughs> Coming out is complicated, Adam. Shut up. <laughs> then we are in uh, Andy's apartment. I almost forgot his name. We're in Andy's apartment again, and Roz thinks that curling her hair might make her look fat. Wouldn't, Why? Wouldn't, if anything, it, like, slim her face? Isn't that isn't that what, what happens when I you have no idea. add more volume to the hair? I don't know anything. That's just such a weird thing to, like... <laughs> say out loud and if if you're worried about it, then why'd you curl your hair <laughs> and go out in public like that i think i think it's like she's done it for the first time and is now worried is now looked at herself and is like oh my god i look fat because she's a character in this movie <laughs> a skinny character to be clear mm-hmm. just gotta keep emphasizing that She's interviewing for new assistants and she doesn't want to hire a straight guy which is a mood yeah but she's um, like really Every time she talks about gay men, it's really weird and creepy. Yeah, it's like super fetishistic y. Yeah, like she she will only hire gay men. Mm-hmm. And it's not like she wants to hire a gay person because she is queer. She's married to a man and there's no indication that she is attracted to women. So she's just a straight woman who. Nope. Like, Stop that. Don't do that. She. I think I remember her saying that there was someone that, like, some of the people she was considering hiring who were, you know, totally fine and qualified, but she would not hire them because they weren't gay. Or not even that she had it <laughs> confirmed. She just, they didn't seem gay. Mm-hmm. She's not, like, asking them their sexuality. She's just making assumptions. Yeah. Which is extra gross. Yeah. Why is this movie like this? Andy says that Paul is interesting and worldly and intelligent and sophisticated. And I said, where? We've seen no when? evidence of any of those. All, I can't emphasize enough that all Paul has done is exist in his apartment, read the newspaper, and carry his dog to this very specific park bench. <laughs> he has never even said anything interesting uh-huh. or worldly. He doesn't speak other than to be homophobic. Yeah. Or just rude. And that's the catch. Like, Andy literally says, there's a catch. He's homophobic. <laughs> Like, that's not the line, but that's basically what he says. I don't understand his, like, thought process. Why is it a catch and not a deal breaker? Why does that make you want to be friends or even acquaintances with this man? Yeah. Let alone pursue something more. Yeah. Then Roz says there is something wrong with every man you meet. Which is true of every human being. Yeah, but that's a weird response to him saying he's homophobic. Like, that's more than just him being choosy. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's a major issue. Yeah. And the movie treats it like, oh, it's just a little thing we can overcome. Yeah. He's gonna fix him. He can fix him. Ew. <laughs> uh, and, <laughs> and then Andy says... If he's not entirely straight, he's not entirely gay either. First of all, there's a word for that. Uh, <laughs> and, and secondly, actually, the movie makes it very clear that he, by the end, that he is entirely just gay. Yeah. So where where is he getting this evidence? Mm. He's just making stuff up. And then he says, it's like I'd have a gay straight man. What? Which I think is the movie's way of saying that he's masked. Oh no, are you serious? <laughs> Genuinely, I think that's what's up. No. <laughs> 
no, Andy, please. Oh my god, and Andy is like a volunteer at this stupid uh, P flag thing, and this is this is his logic for yeah. stuff. What is he like telling people? Yeah, he's giving advice. He's a counselor. He runs meetings. That's so concerning. Oh no. Then they get stoned to talk about their sex lives, and Andy says, "This is the best line of the movie." I'm not worried about him getting it up physically. I'm worrying about him getting it up emotionally. What? 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 That's what he what said. What does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> I'm like He's... flailing my arms around. You can't see. <laughs> but just imagine me flailing my arms. Andy, please elaborate. He's worried about, I think what that means is, let me translate. I think what that <laughs> means is he's worried that because Paul is homophobic and old and cantankerous or whatever, that he's not going to be, that the two of them are not going to be able to connect on like an emotional or romantic level. He thinks that it'll be fine sex-wise, which like I don't know where he's getting that indication, but that Paul is too distant to be a good like romantic partner, I think. Okay, he's... Once again, just kind of making stuff up, though. Like, on no evidence. I don't know, did did the movie just cut a whole bunch of scenes where we get to learn any sort of personality or character traits for Paul and we're dismissing them? Maybe. This movie is already interminably long and boring. That's because nothing happens in any scene. Yeah. Uh, and then he says that he's going to ask him out even though he thinks that he's not ready for that kind of thing. If that's a thing that you think, why are you asking him out, dog? Why are you doing that? <laughs> yeah, if he, like, he could have a conversation where he says to him, I'm interested in you in this way. And if at any point in the future you're comfortable with that, let me know and maybe we can go on a date sometime. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a conversation that you could have. I don't know why you'd want to, because again, mm-hmm. he has no good qualities whatsoever. He's not even attractive. Yeah. Um, and I don't even think Andy knows that he's rich. <laughs> He knows that he lives in a fancy apartment building. It's a very but, nice building. Hmm. Okay, maybe. I don't know. He never talks about like thinking anything about his financial situation. So that's, in my mind, off the table. Then again, they never really discuss anything that these characters just assume. So maybe that's already me giving this movie too much. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Then we get a scene of Roz in bed with her husband, and she has Googled Paul. Much to the chagrin of said husband. She also still hasn't found an assistant. The assistant thing has no bearing on the plot. Yeah, it's just to let her be weird. Andy asks Paul for dinner at his place. Andy's ex keeps calling him and Roz like answers the phone one time and tells him off. Which like, good for her. Then we get the baseball cap. <laughs> Andy has been wearing different baseball caps in every scene that we see. Which him. contributes to making him look younger in my mind. Mm-hmm. In the movie, in the movie's universe, it contributes to him looking gay. Yeah, I don't... My, my brother wears those all the time. I promise you, he's not gay. To my great sadness. <laughs> Andy gives him gives Paul a baseball cap from his collection. Um, it's an Ital- it's for an Italian baseball team because Paul is Italian because Greco is an Italian last name. Then he asks if he's a pitcher or a catcher, <laughs> and the audience knows that Andy means are you a top or are you a bottom. 
Paul doesn't know that. He doesn't know the innuendo, dog. He, like, just figured out that being gay was a thing he could be. I mean, even if that wasn't the case, I don't know why in any circumstance you would automatically assume that if you're using those terms, the person you're talking to is, like, on the same page. Yeah. That just seems like one of those things that you want to make sure you're on the same page about. Yeah. Paul says that he is a pitcher, and Andy looks up and mouths thank you. Specifically, Paul says that he was a pitcher in high school. Yeah. Like, not even that he is one now. Yeah. So (laughs) making it even more obvious that they're not talking about the same thing. He's talking about baseball. Oh, man. But I don't know. I feel like just from from the rest of the film that we're supposed to assume that he also meant he he is a pitcher in all other things. Mm-hmm. We were never given any indication that that's not the case. So I don't know. In a different movie, it turns out that Paul is a pillow princess and it's a source for comedy. He would be. <laughs> I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what this movie is trying to trying to you know fool us by trying to tell us he's anything else (laughs) what from everything we know about his personality he puts in no work Mm -hmm. absolutely not then we find out that elise has sneaked into paul's apartment while he was gone uh paul comes home and she's just there snooping around he has mail he ordered something from video village Uh, he, uh, at least then finds the baseball caps, baseball cap, and is like, this is, this is what she says. She says, unless you're Steven Spielberg going bald or G-A-Y, no self-respecting elderly gentleman wears a baseball cap. My dad wears baseball caps. I think mine does too. I don't know what universe this movie is supposed to be in. They protect your head and eyes from the sun. Yeah. It- it's, it's just a hat. At least doesn't like the changes in his behavior. We've seen no changes. Also, we haven't really seen them interact enough that like if there were changes, she would have picked up on them. Mm-hmm. Unless the change is just that he's not always answering the phone when she calls. Yes. But I don't know why she's calling all the time anyway. Doesn't she have anything better to do? She has no life. Yeah. This woman has no life. Once, maybe it's just in the family that no one has any hobbies or anything. <laughs> Brian's the only like one with a personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, then she says, if you're going to have a midlife crisis, I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. Yeah. We had a tally going of how many times she says I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. And I think we got to like nine. Oh really? Mine is seven. Mm, I might have I might have caught more than you did. I definitely I don't think I included the one where she, at the very last one, mm. where she said that she's actually having one. But mm-hmm. <laughs> Andy, Andy calls his, Andy calls his ex even though he's locked in this date with the homophobe. This has no bearing on the plot. We're back at the park. Yeah, yeah. They He asked Paul to, to dinner like a week from that day or something. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like at least a couple days, you know, uh, advance. And in the meantime, he just hooks up with this guy that he's been trying to get over and avoid. And we yeah. don't know why. And it's never like brought up again. And it has no effect on anything. And the ex, I don't think, is ever even mentioned again after that. He's mentioned. We don't see him, but he's mentioned. Okay. That, okay. Good for we're, him. <laughs> we're back at the park, and Paul took a couple days off of walking Mrs. Greco himself. Like, he had the valet do it, 
and Andy missed him. Why? I don't miss homophobes when they're not around. <laughs> and once again, he doesn't contribute to anything. No. He doesn't, like, have interesting... He doesn't engage in conversation. He just sits there. Yeah, with his newspaper and his leash. And looks uncomfortable and occasionally says homophobic things. Roz's new assistant, Zach, is gay. He doesn't carry stuff. And I've written in my notes that this has no bearing on the plot, but it does. Zach not carrying stuff is foreshadowing. Yeah, that's true. But it, why did you hire someone that doesn't carry things? <laughs> when you run an art gallery, things need to be carried in art galleries. It's very obvious. We see him like in one scene, I think. Yeah. And it's very obvious that he's extremely incompetent and doesn't know anything and like doesn't care about this job and doesn't want to do anything. And yet he was hired over other people who were presumably more qualified just because she thinks he might be gay. Yeah. And that made me really angry for yeah. no reason. Because <laughs> it's gross. The reason is it's gross. <laughs> yeah. So I just kind of wanted to uh, strangle Roz like a tiny bit. Just oh. a little. Then we get the best character in the movie. Elise goes to get her nails done, and she's rude to her nail nail tech because she's having a nervous breakdown. And Elise says, you know, you know people who are G-A-Y, and the nail tech doesn't know what she means for a second, and then she goes, oh, queer, and gestures to another nail tech. <laughs> <laughs> and he like, he like gives a thumbs up. <laughs> Amazing. You love to see it, honestly. That that scene, that whole scene, is just mm -hmm. a breath of fresh air in this otherwise terrible film. Elise says, I'm not gay. Do I look gay? And the nail tech goes, uh, too bad. Yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> Elise is worried that Brian, her son, is gay. And the nail tech is like, well, just tell him that you support him. And Elise is like, but I don't support him. Yeah. And she she only thinks he's gay because he's an artist. Yeah. Let's be clear. That is her only reasoning that she gives. Yes. Ruthie is the nail tech's name. Um, she, she suggests that she go to a PFLAG meeting. There is no other organization that exists. No. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the gay hairdresser, I guess he wasn't a nail tech, he was a hairdresser who did the thumbs up, shoots his shot with this random maybe gay man that he's heard about. He's just like, hey, give yourself my number. Like, dude. You know what? Good for him. <laughs> I support him. Uh, then we get Paul trying out gay porn for the first time. Uh... <laughs> The DVD that he's bought is called Ass Man's Hard Day's Night. Ew. That's, <laughs> what? They could have done better. That's, that's gotta be a joke, right? That's a joke. I don't know. That's on par with a lot of board names. Is it? I don't know. I feel like, okay. I don't, They're all whatever. bad. That's just, uh... And doesn't he watch it with his dog? No. She, he very specifically puts her out of the room. Oh, okay. The thing that does happen is the doorbell rings, but he can't figure out how to mute the TV because there's three remotes and he keeps switching between them. And somehow he makes it louder. Yeah. You know what? Honestly, I would unplug the TV at that point. <laughs> yeah, you just turn it off. Well, clearly he doesn't know how. I thought he was trying to like turn it off or pause it. And he, mm -hmm. but either way, clearly he has no idea how to work technology. It's really embarrassing. Mm -hmm. it, then the very next scene, we never learned who was at the at the door. 
Because the very next scene is back at the park, and Paul gets some guy's number. There's, like, another older dude there, and he gets, Paul gets his number, and Andy's jealous. My dude, stop. There are so many cuter men, cuter older men who are not homophobic. Please. Also, why are you jealous? You hooked up with your ex, like, the other day. Yeah, also that. Like, you can hook up with your ex, but he can't get a guy's number. Okay, I see how it is. <laughs> and they have not gone out yet. Their date is still pending. I don't even know if it was, like, made entirely clear to the characters whether or not the date was an actual date or maybe just, like, two friends hanging out. Yeah. Because they clarify it at the date. Mm-hmm. So this is potentially just, like, a friendly hangout, and he's jealous. I yeah. Paul finds the jealousy flattering because he thinks that no one cares about him despite half of the characters in this movie's lives revolving around him. Yeah, they don't have their own interests whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Then Brian talks to, we're at the gallery space now. Brian is talking to Roz about his spot in the gallery show. Roz introduces Brian and Andy. Andy likes Brian's photos. When we first watched this, I was like, ooh, secondary love interest. But no, this has no bearing on the plot. Yeah, I was really hoping that Brian uh, would be gay and into Andy and could be like a better match for him since Paul is literally the worst character in this movie. Mm -hmm. But no. Then Ruthie, the nail tech, takes Elise to the P-Flag meeting uh, because Elise doesn't want to go in. And Andy sees them outside, comes outside, tries to make Elise more comfortable. He's so nice. This is the only scene where he displays a personality. Yeah, and he does say a lot of, like, good things here. Mm -hmm. Like, trying to talk her through, you know, accepting her son, etc. Which makes it even weirder that he's, like, throwing himself at this homophobe. Yeah, and he's like, you don't have to go in inside, that's intimidating, we can like sit out here and chat, like gives her some good advice, talks her through things, it's like good counselor activity. She says that she, that she thinks that Ryan, that Brian is gay because a mother can sense these things. No, they can't. (laughs) I have it on good authority. My mom said the opposite thing to me. Uh, when I came out. That mothers can't sense these no, things? No, th- I guess that she said the same thing, but with the opposite meaning. She said that I couldn't co- possibly be bi because I was her daughter and a, a mother can sense oh. these things. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> That's all right. Interesting. I've written here, this is the best conversation in the movie. There are time skips. There are the time elapses. There's none of those long, awkward pauses. The dialogue feels natural. The two of them sound like real people. But just in this scene. Who wrote this? Maybe this is the only scene that someone looked at a second time. Maybe. Or like they were allowed to uh, do a bit of improv with this scene or something. Or like the writer went to an actual counselor and was like, hey, can you look at this dialogue? Make sure that it's realistic. Maybe. I would believe that. Yeah, this was a good scene. Uh, Then we're back at the park. Drink every time we're at the park. (laughs) Andy calls Brian cute kid. They're the same age. They're the same age. I don't... Is Andy, like, under some weird delusions? Maybe Andy suffered from something. (laughs) Hit his head at some point. I, I, I truly don't understand what the weird, like, disconnect 
from reality is mm-hmm. coming from. <laughs> then we're then we're not at the park anymore. Then we're in the in the apartment again. Elise calls Paul. She's like, I want to tell Brian that I'm not homophobic, and she's having a nervous breakdown just thinking about it. <laughs> Elise might be a delight. You think so? Yeah. I think she could have been. <laughs> to me, she just feels like a, a caricature of a person. Mm-hmm. And I can't get past that because, as we said before, the women in this movie are, other than the, the nail tech yeah. lady, uh, who I forgot about, actually, the women in this movie are are not real yeah. people. If she had a personality, and I can't really get past that. Yeah. Now it's time for the date. Now it's time for Andy and Paul's date. And they're listening to a bootleg Kelly Clarkson song. I hate everything about this date. <laughs> it's so bad from start to finish. And it doesn't even make any sense. Mrs. Greco is here and she does a big stretch. Yeah, that, that was worth mentioning. <laughs> this is the best part of the whole sequence. There's like, there's weird continuity issues with this scene because they're like eating dinner together uh-huh. and nothing happens to the food on the plate. <laughs> but clearly time is passing. But no one's doing anything, taking fake bites and like getting rid of some of the food or even like moving it around the plate or anything. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, the plate's empty. Mm-hmm. Like, they have this really long conversation and this really long dinner where nothing happens to the plates. <laughs> the, they toast to friendship. Uh, love to toast to friendship <laughs> on the first date. Rip. There are three <laughs> bottles of wine open on this table in, at various levels of fullness. Makes no sense. Also, they're sitting on, like, opposite sides of a round table. And Paul initiates a kiss, does not scoot his chair, does not, just leads, just initiates this kiss from the, from three miles away over a vast ocean. It has to crane his neck weirdly. It looks so uncomfortable. Also, there's flowers. There's flowers just on the table. Not like in a vase, just on the table. Just on the table. (laughs) Why? You could have, like, put them in a glass, put them in an empty wine bottle. That, you know what? That angers me the least out of everything. Just on the table, <laughs> because they kiss once. Yeah. Okay, they went to this date that wasn't even really a date because they toasted to friendship, and that's not what you would do on dates. I don't know about you guys. That's not what I do on dates. <laughs> and they they kiss once. This man has been clearly homophobic mm-hmm. the whole movie and talked so extensively the whole film about how like. Kissing men made him uncomfortable. They kiss once and immediately. It's a very chaste kiss. Yeah, it's not even. It's not even like with tongue. And Paul immediately <laughs> wants to go to the bedroom. <laughs> what? <laughs> Can you kiss a second time with tongue first? <laughs> I'm sorry. And then Paul, I think, in reference to the porn that he watched, is like, "I've been studying," and the thing that past me wrote is I'll stab you (laughs) (laughs) that's so embarrassing if Andy had asked him oh tell me more about what you've been studying that's so embarrassing (laughs) they're not at the place where they can talk about their porn habits I think (laughs) then they're really not in the place where they can beg yet no that was the first time he's ever kissed a man and it wasn't even a good kiss (laughs) that was not that was like a good night kiss when you walk someone to the door and you've never kissed before. Mm-hmm. That was not a precursor to sex. Yeah. 
of any kind anywhere at any stage in life. But they do have sex, and in Andy's bedroom, he's got his collection of baseball caps up on the wall above his bed, and also Paul gets to see his tramp stamp. (laughs) I forgot about that. Uh, And then Paul lets himself out literally as soon as they're done. It's ridiculous. I mean, I mean, people do that. Usually for, like, hookups, one-night stands. I don't know. Listen, Paul does everything wrong in this movie, so whatever. <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't even bother me. Like, that's great. Then we get another park scene, and no Mrs. Greco, where is my queen? What have you done with her? <laughs> Adam Bean is also not there. What are you doing? That's weird. That The whole point of going to the park is so the dogs can, like, have some time outside and get some exercise. Yeah. And then Paul is a jerk. Yeah. They haven't talked about whether or not they're a couple yet. And, and Andy, like, goes to kiss him in public. It's like, dude, you gotta talk about whether you're comfortable with PDA. But, yeah, uh, Paul is unnecessarily rude to him about it. Yeah, I mean, they they have to have a conversation both about, like, where does this leave us, you know, relationship-wise. And also, are you comfortable with, like, other people knowing about it? Two separate things. Yeah. Andy says that he feels like an experiment. And usually when characters in movies say that kind of thing, I'm very sympathetic to them. However, he knew that this man had never been in a gay relationship relationship before. The only other time that he had kissed a man, he punched that man in the face. You gotta have the I don't want to be an experiment conversation before you bang. You gotta. Yeah, he's like pissed that Paul doesn't want to be out mm-hmm. when they've never discussed that and Paul has never given any indication that he was comfortable with you know with with gayness in general at all let yeah. alone like with himself and with with being out in any capacity yeah the thing that he says specifically though is I'm not ready to wear a baseball cap gross what? That's the, that feels like such a joke that belongs in a different movie. <laughs> it feels like a bad metaphor in like a short film where they're not allowed to say the word gay. Yeah, or like in a children's movie where they have to censor everything. Mm-hmm. Gross. Then Andy tells Roz about this whole thing. She's upset that Paul didn't reach out to him after they hooked up. And it's like, why would he do that, dog? <laughs> He's homophobic and rude. I Yeah, what, what did he think was going to happen? Honestly, I have mm-hmm. zero sympathy for Andy, who clearly needs to see a therapist because he is so separated from reality. Paul never gave any indication other than him being extremely homophobic this whole time. Then he says, I thought we were going to have a bowl of, sp- bowl of spaghetti, but he threw himself at me. One, you didn't have to have sex with this man. Are you okay? Two, they had penne. <laughs> He's way too invested in this homophobe that he banged. Like, please move on. And he really did throw himself at Andy. Yeah. I mean, he was like really weirdly eager to go to the bedroom, but Andy could have and should have said, actually, maybe let's not because you're homophobic. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe let's not until we talk about how I don't want to be an experiment. Mm-hmm. Then it's Brian's birthday. This, this whole thing is the last page <laughs> of my notes. It's one continuous sequence and it is a mess. Yeah. Brian's birthday being hosted by Paul. 
Everybody's here. Ruffles and pleats are hot this year. Zack doesn't carry things. Remember how Zack, Roz's assistant, doesn't carry things? And so Andy and Roz are carrying a painting. I don't know why the director of this gallery show is delivering a painting that was bought during the show. Are delivering it, a wait, painting. It wouldn't be a painting, right? He does photography. Right, it's a it's a it's a photograph, right? But it's huge. Like it's a big box yeah. that requires two people. It's like a big print. They're delivering a big box. And why why are they delivering it to Paul? Because he bought it. It's Brian's. No, I thought it was Brian's. Is it? Maybe maybe they're delivering it for his birthday. Maybe it's his birthday present. We don't know. It it is really really unclear which in and of itself is bad. The impression I had was that it was it was Brian's cuz it's his work and you know, he's part of this uh, gallery show that Roz was doing. Um, and they were for some reason delivering it to Paul's I house. I thought that maybe Paul apartment. had bought the print. That makes more sense. We never get any indication that that's yeah. true. And also, if he bought it, his name would be associated also with the purchase. That. And Andy would know about yeah. that. But Andy was really, like, he knew that it was Paul's apartment building, but he had no idea that it was they were going to Paul's apartment, or he would yeah. not have gone. This... I said it was a mess. <laughs> yeah, that that just made me really angry. I hate when there's literally no logic whatsoever. Yeah. It's fine. And then they almost run into Derek, Andy's ex. We don't see his face, but Andy spots him and like tries to hide behind the box they're carrying. This has no bearing on the plot at all. Yeah, I don't know why it was included. Were we supposed to care? I, I don't then, understand. Back at the party, Elise is like, we hear so little from you these days, Brian. And it's like, that's your fault, boo-boo. She's like trying to coax Brian into coming out. Brian's art project is inspired by how his mom hates red dresses. Like, she went to a, a red party where you were supposed to wear red and she wore black. Elise, <laughs> Elise is, is like trying to have a heart-to-heart with him about their relationship and it's like that's not a conversation we have in front of other people honey and like during his birthday party and like refers to being gay as a career choice lifestyle like the lifestyle of his career choice because again he's an artist that means that he's gay and she can't say the word gay absolutely not that is illegal Roz and andy arrive and we get paul Andy, Mary, Andy, Mary, Elise, because Elise lied to Andy and said that her name was Mary during their conversation at P-Flag. Because she was so embarrassed that she was there. (laughs) Donkey. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so then Andy, like, guilts Paul into outing himself, and I don't know, am I supposed to, is that supposed to make me like Andy? Yeah. Elise is trying to be more accepting. And Paul says, you knew. And Elise says, yes, I knew Brian is gay. Brian is not gay. Elise says, we don't have a gay gene in our family. Andy looks at Paul and tries to coax him out of, coax him into coming out. Like, hey, don't you want to out yourself to this homophobe? Who's just said a homophobic thing? Yeah. Even if she didn't, why, why would you ever? I mean, he's... A volunteer at this organization, and and he's still trying to like forcibly yeah. out people that don't want to be out. That is the absolute worst thing. <laughs> oh my god, then we get the best. Oh my god, Paul leaves the room. 
he comes back and he's wearing the baseball cap. And Elise says, what are you wearing? And Paul says, pride, Elise, for the first time in 55 years. Ah! Ew. <laughs> why, why would he not, like, get, if, it, if the hat was like a rainbow or something, that would anger me less. But it's just a random hat. For, like, a, a team that he doesn't know or care about? Yeah. What? Yeah. This this is just a hat that means nothing to this man other than the fact that, like, it was a gift. So I guess that's fun. Yeah. Elise doesn't know it was a gift. Paul apologizes to Andy for being a jackass in front of everyone, and it's terrible. I wrote, I wrote in my notes... That he apologizes for being a jerk, even though Andy was the jerk, actually. <laughs> though, to be clear, Andy was only the jerk in this scene. Because, like, in the rest of the film, it was Paul. Yeah. Because he's a terrible person yeah. who probably should just die. <laughs> um, they kiss, and Elise is mad. And she's like, I'm gonna have a nervous breakdown. And they say, so have it already. I would have said that too if I was there. So I support that line. And then, but she's like offended that they say that. <laughs> and then the voiceover comes back uh, and says some pointless. Oh. And then and then Cascada. And then the movie is over. And our suffering is ended. Yeah, the very last scene is like Paul and Andy walking to the park together and Paul's like actually dressed down for once and I guess that's supposed to be character growth. Yes. But uh he hasn't earned that, so it just <laughs> angered me. Okay, so this This movie's bad. This movie's so bad. Uh Yes. This yes. is not a movie that I would watch with my mother. I do think that she would like this one. Ew, that's <laughs> oh no. It's just her kind of movie. She would really, she would really like Paul. She always has very bad taste in male characters in films. She's always on the side of the jackass. Paul has no positive nope. traits, though. Mm -mm. Nothing. Gross. Final thoughts. Do we recommend this movie? I recommend that you watch this movie drunk. <laughs> I would not recommend. This is not <laughs> fun. This is not fun. Bad. Mm. It's just bad. Yeah. yeah. You're right. I genuinely don't think I would ever want to inflict it on another person. Uh, we gotta... <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> I usually am. Eight out of ten times. We've been over this. I said usually, <laughs> sir. What are we doing next? Oh, next week is the grand finale. Next week is a date for Mad Mary. Best movie. Best movie. It's so good. Get excited. So, this movie... This movie promised to discuss and or, uh, I, I don't know, depict the meaning, definition, and redefining of family. We barely even saw any family, like, situations ever. The family barely ever interacted with each other. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, what about the nature of relationships? No. <laughs> and maybe, like, just toxicity in general. <laughs> Okay, how about the meaning of the varieties of love as a concept, attitude, and human experience? 
I don't I don't know where they're going with with this concept situation. Yeah. Why the concept of love specifically? It just sounds really weird and like scientific, I don't know, analytical or something. Yeah. But um I didn't really see any evidence of any kind of love, like not really familial love, um, definitely not romantic love, not even a little bit. No. Uh, not even lust, really. <laughs> There's just nothing. I don't know. I think uh, Paul was kind of horny in that one scene. I guess. I guess. He didn't like portray it well. Mm-hmm. And finally, laughter and surprise. Not for the reasons they think. I did not laugh. <laughs> Maybe, maybe you did. Um, I definitely did not laugh once throughout this entire movie. No. Not at the intended humor. Not at the accidental humor, which was actually supposed to be serious. Yeah. Uh, surprise? I mean, I was surprised that Paul wasn't, like, thrown in jail by the end of the movie. <laughs> I guess. In gay baby jail for gay babies. <laughs> I don't know why he was allowed to be rewarded. That was a surprise. <laughs> but I don't think that's what the description means. Yeah. Failed on all four accounts. Zero out of ten. I also really hate the title of this movie. Yeah. It's not about what happens I know next. that they technically, like, kind of say it in the, in the dialogue, and we mentioned that. But it implies that, you know, this movie's going to be about what happens after you realize that you're gay late in life, and that could have been a good premise for a movie but he doesn't really come out until the very last scene and he doesn't we explore, don't see what happens next he doesn't explore that part of himself all he does is have sex with a man and like yeah i get it that's gay but <laughs> he doesn't like i don't know experiment with labels or talk to other gay people who weren't andy like there's not even a scene where he's like nervous at a gay bar i if you're gonna have right nothing about him changes after they have sex yeah he doesn't even like look happy the next day you know (laughs) absolutely nothing he just acts more homophobic and like paranoid when they're out in public yeah is that what happens next? That's a that's a terrible message for the film. Is that what they were going well, for? The movie's terrible, so it matches. Homophobia is cool, actually. <laughs> that should be the tagline. <laughs> Don't sleep with homophobes. You're better than that. Another alternate title for this episode. Also, have a conversation first. Yeah, please, please talk. It doesn't to have to be long. Just 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 a little one. Use your words. Um, you can find the show at but is it underscore gay on Twitter. We are also on okay but is it gay on TikTok. Our theme song is by Enoff on Instagram, E N O F F. I'm just absolutely reeling at this movie. <laughs> like I forgot that it was this bad. Where can people find you on the internet, Autumn? I am on Twitter at autumnal underscore season. Okay, we'll see you next week. And until then, we we won't see you and you won't see us. But until then, stay gay. (laughs) 